0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. This will be for the week of August twenty seventh. Oh dear God, where did the summer go? Like, where did all of August go? Oh, it's been crazy. Speaking of crazy, before I get into the books, let's do something a little bit different. Um, in case you're not on Twitter, which is where a lot of this was being, um, you know, shared and talked about, this past week. We had an author, a very popular, very well-known romance author, who went into the RWA private uh, author forums and basically showed her ass. Uh, And you know what? It's been put out there by other authors. There's no shade. The author that did this was dear old Linda Howard. Uh, Apparently, Linda Howard believes that there in essence there is no more room at the table for other authors and by other she really means marginalized authors you know queer authors uh, authors of color uh... you know disabled authors new authors e-published only authors you get the point i mean really it's mostly aimed at not white and head, but it also covers some other uh... things in her post and apparently it's also nothing new from her, according to what a lot of authors had to say. Uh, there was a lot going on on Twitter when this happened. A lot of authors very upset and speaking out. And um, there's there's just there's no reason for that, Linda. No reason at all. There is literally room at the table for every damn author who wants to write romance. She just wants to be stuck in the past where it's just the good old boys club, right? She thinks that just because she's not making the money like she was, that that means there's too many authors taking it from her. No, Linda. Nobody wants to read your tired old shit and have your tired old attitude shoved in our faces like that. So, I mean, I'll if I have any links to some of the tweets that I'm talking about, I'll put it in the post. You're not going to be able to see the actual post that she put onto RWA that's, you know, behind password and everything on the, um, site for the authors. But, uh, it was made clear what, what was going on and, um, nobody's happy about it. And I, I the one good thing about all this, I suppose, is it saw an increase in conversation about what direction RWA needs to take and who, you know needs to step up and um do more and say more and speak up and not just step back and say that's not my problem because no we need to support everyone this is not going to work if we are tearing each other down and keeping people out specifically keeping out the quote unquote others which uh don't even get me started on that um prejudice and bigotry it's ripe in the romance community even if we usually try to uh, you know, look at the bright side instead of the dark side of the community. The dark side is still there. Uh, So anyway, long story short, uh, Linda Howard is only one of many, of course, but she was just the main one that started this week's, you know, garbage pile. Um, But just needless to say, she will not have anything being, you know, reviewed or promoted on the blog anymore. It's not like we did a lot with her. I mean, we had one recent um, review from Jen a few months ago, but other than that, we've never really read or reviewed her. I don't think I've ever read her. If I did, it was literally years and years ago, and I remember nothing. Um, (laughs) That that actually is actually quite a statement, considering. Uh, But anyway, we won't be promoting her. There was a book sale of hers that went up right after she did all this, and... Nope, I'm not even going to put her in the book sale threads every day. Just, nope, nope, nope. You you show your ass like that, you tell us what you think about others like that, and we're going to respond in kind. You think that there's not enough room on the shelf for everyone? No, Linda, there's just no room on our shelves for you anymore, okay? Okay. Um, now that we've got that little bit of tea out of the way, I know that's kind of a departure from the whole point of this podcast, But, you know, I figured maybe some weeks when there's something to talk about that's been going on in the community or something, maybe I'd kind of bring it up before jumping into the books. But no fears. The rest of this podcast is all about the books I read, and you'll probably get tired of me rambling on anyway. So, let's get into what I read for the week of August 27th. Um, I finished four books. I'm pretty sure (laughs) I just finished one literally right before I started filming this. So I won't have a whole lot to say about that because I did not like plan out my thoughts ahead of time, but I will mention it. But let's start from what I finished at the very beginning of the week, which was, uh, Mercy by Helen K. Diamond. Uh, if you remember, I was reading that, uh, during last week's podcast and it was the TBR pick from, uh, last week. And this one I didn't end up really loving it Uh, I ended up giving it two and a half stars now the reason is not because it irritated me like some of the ranty um, you know reviews that I've done on some other books lately it was just I was left very confused Uh, and I will get into that, but you probably want to know a little bit about what the book is. So let me try to kind of sum it up. This one is going to be kind of hard. Like I said, I was confused, but the gist of it is it's definitely a little bit more, I think, erotic than like romance. I mean, it's still a romance, but I think it's more on the erotica side than anything. Um, because their, their relationship definitely goes more through the sex than it does through anything else it's a second chance, but it's a really messy second chance. And by that, I mean their first time they were together was not entirely built on honesty. Um, she basically works as a CIA black ops, something or another. Uh, again, I'm, there's a lot of things in here that I was very confused about. Um, and basically she was, you know, on the job there to get close to him, to get information to hand over to her team. Of course, he doesn't know that she's there for that. He just, you know, falls for her. And well, for, of course it's more about sex than anything else, but you know, he just thinks that that's this woman that he met and that they're, you know, fucking and dating and whatever until lo and behold, her team busts in on him and drags him off to jail, literally with his dick still hanging out. Um, and he has to face that the woman he thought that he might have been falling for or having feelings for literally just spent those all those months, um, you know, playing him to betray him. And uh, he ends up getting out of the jail. Um, I don't even know if he really went in. He just kind of worked some magic and got out of it. And now it is some amount of time later, um, and she's back on his doorstep. Uh, of his club. He owns like a gentleman's club, strip club. Again, I was kind of confused on some things there. Um, but she's back there and she needs a place to stay. She needs help. Her, her team has been disbanded and they're all slowly being killed off and she doesn't know what's going on. So she figures that he's the safe option of someone who can help or at the very least that maybe he'll have some information about her team I again uh, it comes down to I didn't know what was going on um it felt like throughout the whole book it felt like I had just been dropped into the middle of a story and I didn't go anywhere I didn't really learn anything nothing was fully explained I didn't know what happened before I didn't know what it was what it was leading to I just... I just left with a whole bunch of, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know who is supposed to be who, who's working for who, what was the point of this whole operation that they were trying to get information on him about, because apparently there was drugs planted on him, which is what he got arrested for, but he doesn't do drugs or deal drugs or have anything to do with it. And his business is, at this point is like an above-ground, you know, on the up-and-up, just gentleman's club. He just kind of deals in keeping track of who's coming in and what they're doing, who are they seeing, what are their secrets type of thing. So it's not really illegal. So again, I just, I don't know what was going on. I don't know why she had to try and get in with him to begin with all those, you know, months or years ago. And I don't understand why she thought that going back to him now was going to accomplish anything. I'm just, you guys, I was left with so many questions. And there was this disconnect to the story and the characters like I didn't feel I didn't feel a connection or an understanding of any of it um, it was just kind of stuff on a page it's really hard to explain this but I guess ultimately it just comes down to I didn't feel like anything was fleshed out or explained in any sort of way and it just felt like the sex was there and then everything else was kind of last minute shoved in around it to try and make something, but it didn't quite fit to make anything. And I was just left with 20 million questions that were never even attempted to be explained. And it just, it didn't end up working for me. Um, You know, I, the thing with second chances also is they work best for me. If we see, you know, a flashback or discussion or whatever of what their relationship was the first time around you know the good and the bad i want to see why they fell for each other i want to see what they had together and you know i also would like to see what it was that caused them to you know not work what caused them to break up and then for them to come back together and grow and move on that's that's how it should go if i'm to fully believe that this couple is going to work as a happily ever after the second time around we never got any real look or flashback or discussion or anything about their first, you know, time together. Other than the fact that it was, you know, originally her trying to infiltrate to get information on him to set him up. But it turned out to be more than that. And she like, uh, seriously, there's just nothing given to really allow me to believe the romance. On top of the fact that the whole story didn't make any sense to me. Um, the sex, I guess, was kind of hot. I mean, I've read much hotter, but I mean, it wasn't horrible. The one odd thing about the sex, though, is there was a fair amount of scenes, but yet quite a few of the scenes would just randomly fade to black. So, like, it would start the scene out, like, you know, maybe some foreplay, some setup, and then before they actually got to anything it would fade to black and then you'd start at the next chapter and it would be like, you know, after the fact they're, you know, back up and doing whatever and, oh, they had a great time, everyone had orgasms. I just didn't quite get that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think you have to always put every single sex scene, like every detail from start to finish on the page. But if you're going to have so many there and they're, you know, fairly explicit, I mean, like I said, it's kind of more erotica, but again, I've also read hotter, Anyway, my point is, if you're going to do that, I just didn't quite understand so many fade-to-blacks. It just felt odd. <laughs> um, there. <sighs> so I'm trying to think what I can say that's good. Because, you know, you might be thinking, well, why two and a half stars if you're saying that so much of this was confusing and, you know, you didn't connect to it. I don't know. I guess maybe I could go down to even two stars my rating sometimes is so all over the place because I try to save like the lowest things for the ones that really, truly just piss me off. And then it's those ones that have issues, but they weren't like garbage, you know, that just kind of falls into that murky water in between. And it's kind of like, maybe this is a two star, maybe it's a two and a half. I don't know. I just didn't really love it is what it comes down to, I guess. Um, there was some glimpses that we got of another couple in the book, actually a gay couple. Um, (laughs) actually I'll get to that. I should say it'll be a setup for an MM romance. Um, and apparently they do have a follow-up or they have their own novella later on in the series. Uh, their book is Taken, I believe it is. Yeah, Taken. Have not read it. Um, But the looks, the glimpses that we got into them, I actually kind of liked the look at their relationship more than I did the couple that we're following in Mercy, um, which isn't really the way that you want it to do. I mean, I love having secondary characters, but if they start overshadowing the main couple, then you have a problem. Um, It means that your main couple is probably too weak of a relationship and characters and all that stuff. Um. But like I said, the, the two uh, guys, which was Wade, um, which was the hero Jarrett's? I don't think I even told you the hero's name. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place today, you guys. Uh, the hero of Mercy is Jarrett. The heroine is Becca. Uh, Wade is the manager of the club, I believe, for Jarrett, and Elijah was a former team member on Becca's CIA, Black Ops, whatever the fuck team um he's in hiding she doesn't even know that he's there for a while or that he's alive that's you know a whole other part of that confusing story anyway wade and elijah they were you know pretty hot together um we never really got a full-on like sex scene of theirs either it also was usually kind of fade to black in the middle of their scenes which i could kind of get because they weren't the main couple in this book so i was okay with that what we got was a nice tease and it you know, caught my attention, I was quite interested in them, I might look into doing their novella at some point. But here's a downfall or a, um, you know, a bad thing to their relationship. (sighs) Because we get, towards the end of the book, we suddenly get this extremely biphobic um, part that comes into it. So, multiple times, the main characters who know, um, Elijah, uh, so mainly like Becca, who knew him and worked with him for all those years and whatever, she would say, oh, he's just pretending to be gay because, uh, you know, Elijah's just always slept with whoever, you know, on the job and off the job, but he's not really gay. He's just pretending. So, you know, you better warn Wade that this is not real. Um, excuse me, excuse me. Fuck that shit. If he has been with both men and women, whether it was for the job or not, then clearly he's not straight. He's not gay. He's not pretending to be either of those. There's a word for what he is. Do you need me to repeat it? Do you? Okay. One more time for the people in the back. Bisexual. He is apparently bisexual. Or I suppose you could even argue pansexual, which is, you know, a similar, um sexual orientation, but there's differences in how people care to label themselves. Anyway, my point is, he's not pretending to be gay. He's not pretending to be straight. He honestly apparently, on one you know, one level or another, likes to sleep with men and likes to sleep with women. And just because he's with a guy right now, does not mean he's gay or even pretending to be gay. It just means he's a bisexual who's currently with a guy. Like, I just... Oh, you guys, why do we keep doing this in Romancelandia? Why? Why? And listen, I was like really upset when I came across this because I thought that, I thought that this author would know better and do better. Um, And I don't know, this is, I think this book has been out, I want to say maybe six years. I know I've had it on my Kindle for a while, Um, but I still, I expected better. Okay, I expected better and that just, no, 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 no. He's not pretending. He's bi. Let's stop with this biphobic shit. Okay? Okay. So, you know, I'm I've been rambling on this one too long and it's going all over the place. Final verdict, mercy, was it was just kind of okay. Um, I really wouldn't necessarily recommend it, especially for the price. It is eight ninety nine for an ebook. And no, it's it's not worth that, you guys. I think you would be far too um far too annoyed by some of the stuff that I've mentioned and the fact that you don't you don't get a full story and nothing's fully explained. I could go into the fact that a lot of the reviewers, uh, reviews that I was reading, like on Goodreads, were readers that didn't like Becca because they thought she was a, quote, unlikable heroine. And I didn't get that from her. I didn't get hardly anything from any of the characters, good or bad. But nothing about her was an unlikable heroine like they were describing. But we all know what unlikable heroine is code for, right? It means that you're internalized misogynistic bullshit is showing because usually that's people that's saying, Oh, well, she's unlikable because she does X, Y, and Z. And those X, Y, and Z are traits that they like in their alpha heroes, but they don't like to see it in the women. Um, there's a word for that. There is, it's created by the patriarchy and it's bullshit. So stop it. Stop it. Women don't have to be perfect little fluffy angels for them to deserve a happy ever after or for them to be good women or for them to be someone that you connect to or like or root for or whatever. Just stop that, okay? Just just stop it. Um, I'm getting worked up again, you guys, but I will stop because otherwise I could go on about how that is a common thing in Romancelandia for many readers that maybe they don't even realize they have that internalized thought process so ingrained, but they do, and it comes across with the way they talk about women and the heroines in books. So, the next book that I finished for the week was my audiobook that I was reading last week, uh, which is Riveted by Jay Cronover, and the narrators for this were Stephanie Wiles and Sean Bassett. Um, I ended up giving this four stars and I kind of, I'll get into it, I kind of teetered between like three and a half and four for a couple different reasons, but ultimately even with the things that I'm going to point out that were kind of iffy for me or, you know, slightly irritated me or whatever, I still really enjoyed this one. So I'm sticking with four stars. Um, and that's kind of combining the book and the narration, um, and I'll get into the narration in a minute, but... This one, our hero is Church. Um, that is an abbreviated nickname from his last name of Churchill. His first name, although you don't really get it much by anyone in the book except for, like, his family, uh, is Dashel. The heroine is Dixie. Um, I could go into a whole discussion that was had on Twitter where this author likes to pick these really oddball names intentionally. Now, I will say, this couple... Um, the names are really not that oddball, I don't think, but some of the other ones she's had from other books are, you know, kind of out there. Anyway, this one is told from dual first point of view, just as a warning to those of you who are not fans of First POV. And the gist of it is she is a bartender, and he is a bouncer at that same club. Uh, takes The two of them are working in Denver in Colorado. He is originally from, I believe, Mississippi. He's a Southern boy, is is what I remember, and um, he has to uh, go back home, which he's avoided for um, the last ten years. He left like at eighteen to join the military, and he served there, and he just recently got out and was over in, um, you know, in Denver, and then he gets a call from his stepdad, who tells him that. Um, basically she's not family. She's kinda like a grandmother figure for him, is just a neighbor, a good friend, a family friend and that, uh, that helped raise him, but that she um, fell and, you know, broke a hip and is um, she's quite you know, up there in age. I don't know if they ever give her age, but I'd say maybe like her eighties or something. Um, regardless, so she is injured and the stepdad is telling church that, you know, he should he should come home, he should see her. Um you know, and and she'd like to she'd like to see him. It's been too many years, and you know his staying away um, is hurting her. And uh, he wants to go back, but he doesn't want to go back. I mean, he's got some reasons why, uh, you know, why he left and why he has a hard time letting people get close to him. And uh, he figures that maybe he'll take Dixie back with him, and maybe that will you know make it a little bit easier on him to face you know his past and um I don't want to say demons cuz it's not like anyone that was there was you know bad to him so it's not like that it's just that he has you know emotions mixed up with home and reasons why he left and stuff anyway so um the two of them Dixie agrees um they've i guess both each had a crush on each other but they've not really You know, acted on it or talked about it, but she agrees to go with him on this trip, so they hop onto the back of his bike and they, you know, drive on down. Um, there was, like I said, there was quite a bit, um, of this that I liked. I mean, like, I could sit and talk to you about a couple different scenes. So, uh, like their first interaction, I suppose, with each other, um, like sexual interaction. I mean, uh, they were, they were, so while they're on the road and they were out at a bar and, (coughs) um, she takes them, you know, takes them out into the back alleyway and literally blows them against the, you know, alleyway wall. And the thing that I loved so much about that scene was, you know, when it's all done, Um, You know, he's saying, okay, well, I'm going to obviously give you an orgasm now, too. And she's like, no, you know, I appreciate it, but that was for me. I went down on you because I wanted to. That was my fantasy, and I acted on it. And I was just sitting here going, fuck yes. I am here, always here, for the heroine who goes after her own sexual wants and desires and fantasies and everything else. I mean, I'm also here for, you know, equal opportunity for orgasms and everything, but... I'm so down with her taking the time to say, no, I went down on you because I wanted to. That was not a, there was no transaction going on there. I was not giving you that so I could get something back. I just wanted to give you that and I gave it to you. I gave it to you. Good. And I'm, I'm just, that made me so happy. Um, a discussion that they had after that, that was, you know, fun was they were drinking and they decided to play two, two truths and a lie. Is that the name of the game? or is it two lies and a truth no 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 wait (laughs) whichever way it is where you you do three things and one of them is a lie and they have to pick out the lie right anyway so um one of her options when she's telling him hers is that she has a vibrator that she named after him and oh look she's almost wore it out And spoiler alert, that was not the lie in her group of options. And I don't know, that just made me go, uh, yes, hello, female masturbation is a thing. Praise Lord, it's a thing. Um, You know, there was, the sex overall was pretty hot um, and I liked it. I will say that I liked the sex scenes that was from his point of view more than the ones from her point of view. And thankfully, most of them were from his point of view, because, and I think why maybe I didn't really like it from hers, partly is the actual narrator, and I will get to that in a second. But part of it was, um, during her one, the one sex scene that was from her point of view, we get this gem of a line as she's describing her orgasm. Are you ready for this? Uh, okay, she says, sorry, I'm trying to push... I'm trying to find the spot on my candle. Okay, she says, I gushed pleasure and leaked desire in a flood that wouldn't be stopped. Okay, oh, wait, hold up, hold up. How did I end up back in an 80s, like, bodice ripper with fla- flowery purple prose? And did she have an orgasm or did she just pee all over him? I, I literally, I was listening to this while I walk, as you guys know, and when I got to that, I had to stop in the middle of the road well like you know off to the side I'm not like stopping in the middle of the highway but you know I stopped in the middle of the road and I had to like pull out my phone and rewind it and listen again and I was still going what the hell who describes her orgasm like that we get it you were wet but nobody wants flooding and gushing and no no we just no um so that could be partly why the couple sex scenes from her point of view um never quite worked as well for me. I think that was that first line or that first scene, that first, that line from that first scene just kind of hit me the wrong way and maybe set it up. But I mean, pretty much the rest of the sex was, um, was pretty good. It was quite hot at times and I was here for it. He's constantly teaching her that, she needs to come first and i mean yeah he means that in the literal sexual way but he was also trying to teach her that she needs to stop trying to you know fix everyone's problems instead of living her own life and letting everyone fix their own shit basically um which is always a good lesson to learn and you know hey that hit home because i need to learn that lesson too um <laughs> I liked that she's she's kind of a cheery, you know, very happy, sunshiny type of heroine for the most part, but I liked that she was also very strong. Uh she likes to wear like quirky shirts like that have different sayings on them, and she's having a conversation at one time or like discussion. No, was she talking to anyone? Maybe she was just kind of like internal dialogue or something. It's a lot harder for me to keep these straight when I'm doing audiobooks, you guys, because I'm not highlighting quotes to to look back on. But anyway, um, she was talking about how, you know, she wears the shirts because they're part of who she is and her personality, and she would never want to just stop wearing them, no matter what someone had to say about it. And she says, you know, thankfully, Church is okay with her shirts. And she says, because if he wasn't, I would not get rid of the shirts. I would get rid of him, and I would miss that dick, but I would miss myself even more you know, for the part of me that I'd lose if I stopped wearing the shirts. And I was like, fuck yes. You don't change yourself for a guy. If the guy doesn't like something about you, you change the guy. Now, like I says, church was fine with the shirts. So it was just, you know, her speaking hypothetical. But god damn, I loved that part too. Um, So, I don't know. Should we move into some of the things that kind of I didn't like, maybe? Yeah, I guess it's about time, right? So... there's one scene where sex scene where he doesn't use a condom, but he doesn't ask her about it first. He and somehow she doesn't notice it, which I mean, I have questions, but okay. But he literally just starts fucking her without a condom. And then as she's like, you know, trying to tell him, okay, I'm close. Are you coming with me? And he's like, I can't come with you. I don't have a condom. But he's been fucking her raw. Um, you guys, pre cum has some sperm in it too, and if he has some sort of STD, that's in there too. But it's not until that point that he tells her, hey, I can't come with you because there's no condom. And she's like, oh, right, you're not wearing a condom. And she's not upset by this. He's just fucked her without asking, without a condom. She didn't notice it. And when he tells her that, she's just like, oh, I trust you though. Honey, I trust you. It's okay. Just pull out right before the end you guys, no, no. Do I, how many times do I have to say this? No, no. Like that entire scene just, uh, it was a hot scene up until that point because you ask guys, you do not just start fucking her without a condom. You ask, you talk. They didn't have a discussion about birth control or if they were clean. He's just like, no, I'm just going to fuck her anyway. And then pull out at the end, and it'll be all fine. And she agrees with it. And I'm just here to tell you guys no, 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 no. No. And again, no. Um. Another thing with the sex scenes, and this I will only briefly talk about it here because really it ties into a lot of romance books. So we could have an entire discussion, not just about the scenes in this one in particular. But there's a heavy push for the um, you know, heteronormative sex and the push for orgasms being connected with vaginal intercourse and vaginal intercourse only. So throughout this entire book, she never once has an orgasm from him unless he is literally inside of her. So like he'll kind of tease her and he goes down on her, but then he pulls back before she has an orgasm. I should say, let me rephrase that. He wants to give her one. She says, no, no, no. I want it. I want to come while you're inside me, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But that's how she did it all throughout the book. Only while he was inside her. And I should point out, this is not to say that there's a problem if someone has a hard time orgasming, or if someone likes this thing or this act or this position, but not this. And so they don't want to do this or have an orgasm for this they want it from that. That's fine. That's not, that's not what's going on here or through a lot of romance books. It's the fact that it's treated as if she can only come if she's got a dick inside her. Otherwise it was not a complete orgasm. And you guys fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. You can have an orgasm without a dick inside you, or by you, or in the room with you. You can have an orgasm with the dick by you, but not inside you. I mean, you can just, you can have orgasms any number of ways, and, um, call me greedy, but take every single damn orgasm that you can get, no matter how it comes to you, or what's being done, just take all the orgasms. You can have all the orgasms. You don't have to have a dick inside you for you to have a complete and awesome orgasm, okay? So it just kind of pissed me off that, uh, because it was the way it was written, it wasn't anything about the character and her wants or desires, it was just kind of this, oh no, honey, I, you know, I'm only going to come if you're inside me and we come together, and like I said, that's fine, but there was no other orgasms outside of vaginal intercourse, and I'm just, that kind (sighs) of, that just kind of is veering too much towards this very um, old school heteronormative view that we've got, and I was hoping we were moving away from that Romance Landia because I see some stories that are doing it, and then I get this, and it seems like we're taking two steps back. So, um, this ramble is just to tell you, you can (laughs) give your characters orgasms in many different ways as long as it fits the characters. So, like, I'm not saying you've got to bring in this, you know, kinky, BDSM stuff. If that's not what the characters want, my point is just sex and orgasms is not just the penis in the vagina and thrusting and groaning and spurting and everyone's you know happy and sticky. Like there's a million different things. That also ties back into the whole that no condom scene. Um, they didn't have a condom. That doesn't mean they couldn't have still both gotten off that morning. It just means hey maybe let's not put the penis in the vagina. Just you know just this once, we could try something else, there's a whole bunch of other options, but no, that wasn't done, um, (laughs) should we move away, we'll move away from the sex, right, okay, so, the only other thing, oh, the narrators, I'm all over the place, it's Friday, the narrators, um, I liked his narrator, which has a very, like, slow, deep, southern drawl, Um, like the hero was supposed to have, so that fit, and I liked his voice. I don't really have any complaints about his narration. Now, the female narrator, her voice um, was okay. I think it kind of fit Dixie, so that was fine. Um, Her pacing was sometimes kind of off, like stopping in weird places in a sentence or whatever. But again, that was fine. But my problem, really, with the female narrator was when she was doing dialogue for churches character she completely changed his character like 180 because she was making him sound like chipper and kind of like this creepy dude that you would see on the street I don't know how to explain it but she changed his character by the voice that she gave him to do his lines and it just ruined it for me it really ruined it for me it changed literally changed my perception of like or my image I guess of the character of the hero and then I'd go back, you know, the next chapter would be from the hero's point of view, and we'd be seeing who he is, and that just didn't jive with what the female narrator was trying to portray him as, so there was, like, this, a lot of this clashing, that's why, since I kind of, like, was hovering between ratings, because for the most part, I really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it more so when it was from the hero's point of view and the male narrator than from Dixie's point of view and her narrator, um, so, I don't know, maybe, and it could also be where I listened to this. It's kind of hard to say. It could also be that that change in like character for church, um, could have been the way that was also written. Maybe, maybe the author was not great at carrying through the character to the other point of view. And so maybe when she was in Dixie's point of view, the way that she was trying to write church in the dialogue and stuff was, was you know, changing him in that way, and then the the narrator herself picked up and and you know continued those changes. I don't know. Regardless, I didn't like the female narrator specifically when she was doing any of the male voices, but really when she was doing church's um, lines. So I I kind of want to recommend this on audio because of the guy, but not so much the girl. I don't know. May, maybe what you could do is just. Have the audio and the ebook and then just read Dixie's point of view in the ebook form? No, that would be too confusing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I've I know I've said some things that was kind of off about it and whatnot, but really for the most part, I really enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it more than the last two that I read from um, Cronover, so that's also good. And yeah, um, he's, despite kind of the back and forth, I'm still gonna stick with four stars overall for this one. Because it was, it was kind of cute and sweet and it was, you know, sexy and it was just enjoyable. It was an entertaining listen. Um, the one last thing, which could also kind of go off into a larger um, topic, but Church is a hero of color. Um, he is interracial. He is... Um, his... Dad, yes, his dad was black and Indian, as in India, not as in Native American. Um, and his mother was white. Um but if you look at the cover and the way that he's described in the book, it matches. He's supposed to be, you know, lighter skinned, um, still, you know, as he puts it, he didn't fit with the white kids, he didn't fit with the black kids, and I get that, and that's a you know, that's a valid character to put in the romance, and we need those too. But it also felt like it was an easy out for this author, whose all of her other books are extremely, extremely white, um, like, you know, most of Romancelandia, which is a problem. But um, it just kind of feels like an easy out when your only, you know, hero, or even if it was a heroine of color, is one who is lighter skinned and could potentially pass, or somewhat pass, more as, you know, quote-unquote, white. Um, Because if you know anything about it, there is a difference in how society treats people of color who are lighter-skinned compared to people of color who are very, very dark-skinned. And I just felt like if she was going to write a hero of color like we got, which was great, and I, you know, I love that we're getting that, but... Don't go for the easy out of the lighter skinned one that when you look at the cover model, you could kind of say, oh, I don't know. Is he a hero of color or is he just a tan white hero? I I mean, it's just, he kind of falls in that in between. And I think that's intentionally done because let's face it, you look at romance covers, especially when we are talking traditionally published, and you're not hardly ever going to see anyone but white models on the cover because white models is what sells, or what we're told that sells, and what, unfortunately, a lot of people will gravitate towards and pick up, which continues the cycle. So anyway, my point is, um, I just kind of wished maybe that his character hadn't been interracial like that, just because it felt like an easy out in a book, in a series, an entire, you know, series of books from her, that is white, 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 and now we're getting like this off-white and like I said I don't mean to make that sound like oh we you know mixed people that is half this or half that or a mix of this that they don't deserve to be in romance no they do they do I'm not discrediting that I'm just I just I guess I'm saying we've got to realize that um, that our choice to the choice of how I guess we market something and how we're putting the cover and stuff on it Um, it's more than just, (laughs) it's more than just black and white. I don't know. That got way off, and I feel like that's kind of like outside of what I am familiar with enough to really talk about, so I'm just going to drop it there and say, you know, yay for having a hero of color, but we still need to do a whole lot better, Romance Landia. Um, actually, one last thing connected to that, um, there was a point when Dixie, kind of showed not kind of definitely was waving her white girl flag by you know a stupid offhand comment when she is surprised that church and his dad and you know whatever else um, have to deal with everyday racism and they don't even blink an eye at it and she's kind of like what do you mean why aren't you reacting to that that was clearly horrible they're you know singling you out because of your skin color who does that Bitch, you need to wake up, white girl. Who does that? That's welcome to society and welcome to the life of, you know, a person of color. So anyway, that kind of throwaway comment from her. And it was like internal dialogue. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't her actually speaking to him or to any character. But regardless, that throwaway comment is, um, that's not, (laughs) that's not good, I guess is what I'll say. So, moving on. This is going to be a forever long podcast. You guys, I feel like I'm like rambling more so today than in previous ones. I'm supposed to be getting better at this and uh, I'm off my game today, I guess. Oh, well. Okay, so the next book that I finished um, just yesterday was Acting on Impulse by Mia Sosa. Sosa? I apologize for any names that I mess up. Um, This one releases on September 19th. And I'm not quite sure yet if I'm going to do a full review on the blog or not. Uh, Me and reviews, it kind of depends on my mood and whether I can, you know, get get out what I want to say. So I'm going to kind of, just in case I don't end up doing a review, I will kind of go through a lot of the stuff now. Um, And then if I do do a review, then, you know, maybe this will be a repeat in the review. I don't know. So... This is also a dual first point of view. Um, I ended up giving it four stars in case I did not say that. Our hero is Carter, and our heroine is Tori. So, uh, Tori is a Puerto Rican-American. Yay for more, you know, more heroines of color. Yay! Um, The author of this, by the way, is also an author of color, so double yay. Um, Tori is a personal trainer, and Carter is a... Uh, actor. He's pretty much just been like a TV actor and he's trying to transition more into like movies. Um, he's not like an A-list, you know, like Brad Pitt or anything, but he is a fairly big um, actor. He's, you know, pretty well known and whatnot. Um, so these two first meet because they both end up on the same plane going to Aruba, I believe it was... They were both going on vacation to an island anyway. Um, she was trying to get away from a recent breakup that she just had and he's trying to get away because he just finished one set of filming and he kind of wants to get away from the public eye before you know he has to go back and start um, you know start on another set. So he's just in coach on the plane and um, he's kind of incognito of course he doesn't want to be recognized and she doesn't recognize who he is at all. Um, but it starts out in his point of view and he is very much like looking at her and going, damn, that is the woman I'm going to marry. I just, I love the way she looks and I love everything about her and I want to know her. And of course at one, you're kind of like, charmed by this and at the same time you're kind of like oh dude cool your jets you've literally just looked at her and you want to marry her like maybe get to know her and but it was fun being in his head so I mean don't get me wrong I'm not really mad at the way that started but you know you definitely have that moment where you're just kind of like dude chill just chill it down just you know half a notch um but uh they are on the plane together And then they end up being at the same resort together when they get there. And they spend some time as, you know, just being friends and talking and whatnot. And then on her second to last day there, she finds out um, that he's, you know, been lying by omission and that he is a big star. She has a thing against, um, you know, people that are famous because her recent ex was a city councilman who's, you know, a rising star in politics or whatever, and the part of the reason why she ended up, um, you know, breaking up with him was because he wanted to be in the public eye, obviously, and she really didn't. Um, and so she doesn't want to get into this again, because here she was liking Carter, but then she finds out he's famous and in a much bigger way than her city councilman ex ever would be. And that would be, you know, mean her having to be in the public eye and being in the news and whatever. And she doesn't want that. So um, she takes off and you know leaves a day early and doesn't um, contact him or anything. And uh, he ends up coming to her afterwards, after the trip is all done and whatever. He comes back to uh, Philadelphia, which is where she's at. And he needs her to help him train because he needs to bulk up again his previous role he had to lose weight for a role and now he's um, being considered for a new role but he would need to be bulked up again so he decides well I'll go to her because I need to fix what I did and um Ah, sorry about that you guys I got distracted And now I don't know where exactly I was. But anyway, he goes to hire her as his trainer. She agrees. They're just going to be, you know, client and trainer. Nothing's going to happen. But, oh, hey, she's still attracted to him. He's still attracted to her. She's not going to sleep with the client, but she wants to sleep with him. But he's her client, so dilemma. Um, They do not, by the way, get together until after she is no longer his trainer. Um, so there's that. I liked this one. I really did. It's kind of a rom-com feel. There's a lot of fun lines and scenes. I liked the, um, Mia's writing voice and style. Um, I will, as always, have some, a link to my Twitter, uh, where I did share quotes and that from the book, so you can kind of get a sense what I'm talking about. But I liked this one, and I will definitely be reading more from her. Um, I will say the pacing of the flow of the story was a bit off at times. It kind of seemed like it was slow, and then it was a whole bunch of stuff, and then it was quickly resolved. And I just, it wasn't a consistent and even flow for me. Um, It's a slow burn between the two of them, like a really, really slow, slow burn. uh, When they finally, you know, when the time finally comes, uh, you know, it's pretty hot. Um, I don't really have a lot of complaints it was It was some pretty hot stuff between the two of them. My one complaint is a particular scene and it was actually their first scene together so that kind of made it even um, you know more of an issue but it's the scene itself spans um the end of one chapter from her point of view and goes into the beginning of the next chapter from his point of view, okay which is not a, necessarily a problem that switch in, you know, the chapter and the point of view. That's, that's not necessarily the problem, but the transition, there was literally no transition. And by that, I mean, uh, in her point of view and that, he had been going down on her. He just made her climax. Everything's all good and happy. And, you know, she's having her little internal moment of, you know, oh, that was amazing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you move to the beginning of the next chapter, which is like, you know, you turn the page, literally, you turn the page, and it's his point of view, and suddenly she's writing him. And there's no transition between the two. It doesn't show, you know, like, hey, he puts on protection, even though at the end of the scene he gets rid of a condom. So, I mean, they did use it, but you don't see any of that. There's no talk of, you know, the actual any of it. So it was just, it was really jarring. I had to literally go back and forth and make sure, nope, okay, Two paragraphs ago, he was literally flicking her clit with his tongue, and now she is riding his cock. And I don't know where the jump was. Or I should say I don't know where the tran- transition was because it was literally just a jump from A to B, and or it should be A to C. And I wanted to see that B in between, and we didn't get it. And since this, especially since this was their first time period together, I don't know. That just kind of felt like we were being the reader was being cheated. Maybe it's just me but i mean that makes it that makes it sound like i'm saying well the whole point is obviously the first time the dick goes into the vagina no that's not what i mean but it still felt like i was being cheated out of something plus it was just kind of confusing that was really the only issue i had as far as like the sex scenes the rest of it was fine i mean it was it was hot it was good nothing else odd going on um but yeah i i really did enjoy this one and Book two, which also, can we talk about the cover? I will, of course, have it down in the post, but book two's cover is just as gorgeous. Um, book two will be Carter's best friend slash agent, and he will be falling for Carter's little sister, and I'm here for that, I am so here for that, so I cannot wait, um... And the last book, like I was saying, that I just literally finished like, I don't know, an hour ago before I started recording this, was uh, this week's TBR pick, which was Under His Kilt by Melissa Blue. By the way, it is a freebie. It is like a novella length. I think it's about 120 pages or so. It's free. I will have the links below. And this one... I just kind of liked it was okay um, I ended up giving it three stars honestly I'm kinda of like torn between two and a half and three on this one as well and like I said I just finished it so I really don't have my notes of course I went off my notes so much on this episode it is a mess but um, just kinda of a quick thing I read it because you know it's a Scottish hero it's a contemporary I'm here for that plus um, a lot of people were telling me yes you need to read that it's a good book it was quick um, it was pretty hot but my problem was I didn't connect to the either the hero or the heroine. I didn't really connect to the story. I felt like the strongest part of this was the sex. But the story and the characters were just kind of these uh, two-dimensional, maybe even one-dimensional, to be honest, just kind of things floating around, and nothing was really happening outside of the two of them, you know, Constantly banging each other, which I'm here for. You know, I'm here for the sexy times. I have no complaints about that. I just, I wanted more from the rest of it, and I didn't get that. Um, I have read one other thing from this author, although it wasn't from her Melissa Blue pen name, it was from her Dakota Gray uh, pen name. And that book that I read, which was called Perv, or was it Filth? No, it's Perv, right? it's Perv. Book one that I read was Perv. That one is definitely erotic. And that one, I mean, that one was filthy. That one. I mean, the hero in Perv literally gets off on going down on a woman repeatedly. Every woman, any woman, doesn't matter. He gets off on it. So yeah, that one was really hot. Um, this one was also, you know, really hot. But I like this one less than I liked Perv. Because even though Perv was like more written as erotica, I still felt like I was getting more character and story development in that one than anything that I got in this quickie novella. And I mean, it is a quickie, but... Um, you know, 115, 120 pages, that's still a lot of time that you can develop stuff, and I just, I didn't get any of that from it, so, like I says, three stars, maybe two and a half, I'll still read more from Melissa slash Dakota, I'll still read more in this series, because hello, Scots and Kilts, yes, um, but this one was just, eh, it was okay, it's a freebie, like I says. Uh, it's not, obviously not a waste of your money to grab it, so, you know, take that as you will, um, since I just finished that, I think the next thing I'm going to be reading this weekend is Completely by Ruthie Knox, which releases on the 26th of September. Um, I've really enjoyed Ruthie Knox's books, and um, this is the third book in her love, or her series uh, trilogy, or series with Love Swept. And, yeah, I really liked the previous book, and I haven't read the first book yet, but I do have it on my Kindle, so eventually I'll get to that. Um, And my current audiobook, I'm almost done with it. I'm like 90% through it. I will finish it, uh, probably when I'm doing dishes tonight, actually. Um, But it is The Wedding Pact by Katie Robert. Um, I listened to book one in this series, I think it was last year, and I liked it. And I'm really enjoying this one, too. this this series, this one, you know, this book and all that is definitely hot. Um it's a mafia romance. So basically these the hero and the heroine's um families uh control different parts of Boston and, you know, they're rival families. So you've got the enemies to lovers and the forbidden romance aspect of it. And I mean it's got some darkness and grittiness to it, but it's not like extremely dark. I mean, I've probably read darker stuff and it's not really suspense. I don't know. What do you, what do you call it? Just mafia romance, I guess. Do we have like a better name for something that is contemporary, but it's not like light and fluffy contemporary. I feel like we need some better explanations of like subgenres within sub genres. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Um, but anyway, I'm almost done with that and I'm really enjoying it. I'll probably talk more about it in next week's uh, episode. And for once, I actually have my next um, audio book already lined up because yay, one of my library holds finally came in. Um, and it'll be a Sarah McLean book. So I'm heading back to a historical for next week. And yeah, um, this has literally been a really long and rambly and not that great podcast. I'm just, I don't know, I'm filling off, I guess this week. But hopefully you guys still enjoyed it and I promise I will continue to, you know, work on the posting and the quality of it and the audio and um, my ramblings. I will try to be more organized for next week. And uh, yeah, so let me know what are you reading this week or what did you read during the week? I'm, I'm fine. Tell me about all the things. I want to hear about all of them, every single thing, the good and the bad. Leave me a comment down below Or you can find me on Twitter and tweet about it to me there. I'm always on Twitter. You guys know this. Um, And just, yeah, I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. And uh, I will see you guys next week. Until next time, enjoy.